Super Talk Mississippi media production. Come see your locally owned and operated Linton Glass for all your glass needs. No matter what glass you need to replace, you can count on Linton Glass. Call us today at 601-835-4336 or find us on the web at lintonglass.com. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Well, like I always say to people that ask me, what is it about the history and culture and the arts in Mississippi? Well, I can answer it in many ways. For example, today's guest, simply put, is one of the most accomplished singer-songwriter recording artists in music, period. And wait was also an all-SEC quarterback, an honorable mention All-American for the Ole Miss Rebels in 1964, the year I was born, and part of the only unbeaten 1962 national championship team in Ole Miss history. I mean, everything today's guest on In a Mississippi Minute dedicated his mind, heart, and soul, and of course, his physical talents. Everything he touched turns to gold. Well, multi-platinum, actually. With such monster hits and author of classics like The Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me and Midnight Train to Georgia, and there's a whole lot more. Please welcome Grammy winner and Mississippi's very own, the legendary Hall of Fame singer-songwriter, Jim Weatherly. Hey, hey, Jim. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? You in Nashville? Um, well, we're in Brentwood, uh, just south of Nashville. Right. And we're we're doing good. Everything's rocking along you know hey so jim tell tell me like moving your time moving to nashville when you did i know i know you had other music cities and music scenes you were involved in and and i want to go back in time back in the football days and the early music days but just compared while we're talking about nashville growing just compared to when you moved there uh i mean you probably out there more toward hillsborough and all that pike area what what uh i mean what was it like when you first got there as far as uh, just population and just being able to get around? I, I was coming back and forth from L.A. to Nashville uh, for several years. I had a condo up on Music Row, and uh, I would come back and forth. And then I bought a house here around nineteen, around 1988 or 89, and uh, finally sold my house in L.A. and moved here, and the uh, it was it, it still had a very small town community feel to it. Right. Uh, Green Hills wasn't very tall at all, and now Green Hills uh, they're building high rises there. Uh, 
Franklin, uh, the landscape there has changed with a lot of condos and mm-hmm. and apartment buildings built around it. And of course, Nashville uh, is just grown by leaps and brown, uh, uh, leaps and bounds. And the um, the downtown area, they've really done a, done a job with it down there, and it's 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 really nice to go downtown now and, and just hang around. I love it. I love it. So, so tell me this. Just looking back at at, at your life, you grew up in Pontotoc, am I right? You're That's right. Raised? Okay, so you come from Pontotoc, Mississippi. Population? What was it back when you were a kid? Uh, about three thousand, I think, and that that's in the whole county. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And then you make your way to Los Angeles. So I know there was a lot that went on, and you were a celebrated football star on the national scene. I got a. What was it like when you? Was it an easy transition for you? You know, going from small town Mississippi all the way to to Los Angeles. I was with a band. Uh, I went to Los Angeles with my band. So I don't. I'm not sure I would ever have gone to Los Angeles if I hadn't have been part of a band. Right, a group of guys. And, and uh, that that was a group that I'd gotten together with at Ole Miss. And when I got to L.A. L.A. still had a uh, kind of a 1950s feel to it. We went out in 1966, but it still had kind of a 1950s feel to it. The music, a lot of the music was just uh, uh, rock and roll was just booming out there, you know, and uh, groups like the Mamas and the Papas and the Buffalo Springfield and uh, uh, Johnny Rivers. Uh, just it just was great music in LA, and uh, we loved it. We felt that was the only place that we could go to even begin to have a career in music. Right, and uh, we had a great time. It was an adventure. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember my time doing it. I used to sit in office. I look back at my life, Jim, and I go, I used to go to L.A. and New York. I didn't think about Nashville. Uh, my parents did take me there when I was 14 to Hendersonville to record and in Nashville, but outside of Nashville. But, um, I, you know, everybody kept saying you couldn't do it. And we had obviously things that preoccupied our minds and and and, and sport and all that. And so. I always loved it, and I always wanted to do it, but I always was sort of told you couldn't, except for my parents. They believed, you know. It was in- interesting that my folks would. But Los Angeles was the place that I went to. I mean, we used to go sit. My brother and I just sit in an office until we either got arrested or somebody <laughs> somebody would see us. And, and looking back, I mean, I just wonder where we got the moxie and just the nerve to do it. Uh, but <laughs> loved, loved it so much and believed in whatever it was at the time, you know, I just believed that I wanted to do it. And it's funny when you look back and you go. So, I had my brother with me, so I had a teammate, and you had a team, and you were used to playing uh, and leading a team. Uh, okay, I'm jumping around, but I got to understand musically, sort of where did y'all fit uh, with your band back then? You're talking rock and roll, R&B. Obviously, country wasn't in the mix, but this is my point right. about Mississippi. We are so diverse in music, and if you're honest with yourself, you're sort of like in this, you're a hodgepodge of so many, you know, genres coming at you. So musically, mm-hmm. where were you guys at that point? Well, we were basically a walking jukebox. We just, uh, we played all the songs of the day that were popular on radio, whether it was uh, rock and roll, hard rock, R&B, blues, 
we played it all, and uh, we didn't think anything about it. You know, we just because we were playing clubs, and people just loved to dance to those all the songs we were playing. We were we were still writing songs. We started writing songs at that time uh, for the band, but we rarely ever played any of the songs we had written live. It was uh, we were basically a cover band. Okay, so okay, so you went out that way. So when did the songwriting bug bite you? I started writing songs when I, I, I was around twelve. I just started doing it because I really liked the music. It was in the first decade of rock and roll, you know, in the nineteen fifties, and um, I just found out that I could put put some words together and put some music to it. I'd learned to play the guitar uh, a little bit, and I was. Uh, just trying to write what I heard on radio. Right. Um, and, and it just, uh, it was something I enjoyed so much that I just never quit doing it. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just never quit doing it. <laughs> that is just, it's just amazing. So you're you're an athlete, and, and a, an extremely well-accomplished athlete, and then you could play guitar, sing, and write songs. I bet you were trouble <laughs> as a kid. I, I bet you were <laughs> well, trouble, but you had all the assets to be trouble. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't trouble to, to, to me or to my mom or to my family. But a lot of people just assumed that because of uh, I was a football player playing in a rock and roll band that uh, there's something had to be wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know they they just couldn't seem to put it together that uh, an old Miss quarterback would play in a rock and roll band. That, I, I, and I, uh, I, I didn't see anything unusual about it, but. <laughs> You know, it was me that was doing it. But other people looking at it from a distance, they thought it was kind of strange, I think. Yeah, I love it. We're talking to Jim Weatherly. You're in a Mississippi Minute. It's only going to get better. Stand by. Mississippi. Hey folks, in the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial and good for the skin. The Omni Flow is the foam in the inside designed by their veteran team. The Omni Flow is a one of a kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Sometimes a man must listen to a faraway whistle. I'm Steve Azar. We are with legendary, legendary singer, songwriter, recording artist. I mean, I'm talking the best thing that ever happened to me. Midnight Train to Georgia, but there's so much. There's Glenn Campbell, there's Vince Gill. I mean, Gladys, obviously Gladys Knight, and there's just so many great songs that you, that you have put your heart and soul and pen to, and it's just, you know, obviously I knew who you were when I moved to town. I knew who you were before I moved to town. Um, I knew I knew about our Mississippi heritage and the people that were impacting the world of music, and, and I aspired to be that, and I, I, I just want to go back now. I, I got to talk about your football days because it's football season and it's SEC West football season right now. Sport and music, how did they correlate in your success? I mean, the two of them. You know, they were separate entities to me. I, I, I could do, uh, fortunately, I, I, I started playing sports at a young age. My dad had been a, a great high school athlete and he taught me to throw football and uh, I started playing, you know, peewee football in the sixth grade and went on up. And uh, I didn't start playing in a band uh, until I had my first band when I was in the ninth grade. So, but I never played uh, during football season. I, I did in high school a couple of times, but I didn't. I never played during football season in college. But the music. And and sports connection is those two things seem to bring people together. I mean, you, you talk to people and they're saying, "Hey, did you see that game yesterday?" or "Or did you watch so and so?" You know, and uh, and then the music. You know, did you hear this song? Have you heard that? It just seems to be uniting kind of thing. That's the only thing that is to me that makes them kind of in the same mold i i always tried to keep them separately when i was in college and i would play with my band in the off season we would do fraternity parties and and, and high school dances and things like that I, I i would just i just kept them totally separate right and uh i, I always tried to keep them separate publicity wise but I couldn't do that because uh, in 1964, some of the the, the uh, sports writers started calling me, calling me the singing quarterback. <laughs> I love it. So uh, it, you know that was uh, that really kind of bothered me. But as I got older, I realized it was like a brand. You know, I mean, people know me as that, or did know me as that. So I, I'm I'm okay with it now. Yeah, well, it could get it, anything that could sort of give you a kickstart to something else that you love. Uh, you know, I I I think my question is, and you've answered a lot of it, but did your ability to compete in sports at, at the high level help you with handling the music business? I don't know how it would have helped me because I both came naturally to me. And like I say, they were separate in my mind. When I was doing football, I was doing football. When I uh, was playing with the band and after football season was over, that was what was on my mind. Maybe maybe publicity-wise, the football helped some, helped, helped me to come, become known, especially in the, in the South and, and, of course, in the state of Mississippi. 
uh, and it maybe helped us get some dance uh, yeah. <laughs> dances, you know, in high school. Things you probably like had that. some gigs that, you got from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> We're talking to the great Jim Weatherly. Jim, uh, what about, uh, so when did like Ole Miss start looking at you? Uh, were there other schools involved or were you always wanting to go to, were you a Rebel fan growing up? I was. I was a Rebel fan, but I, I never considered myself good enough to play college football. It was a time when coaches didn't go around telling players how good they were in those days. They 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 almost kept it quiet. Wow. And so I, I didn't really know. Ole Miss was really interested until I was a senior in high school after football season. Huh. And um, Coach uh, Swayze showed up at our door and and uh, sat down in our living room like he had always been there, you know. <laughs> started talking about me playing at Ole Miss, and I was kind of taken aback, like, wow, you are you serious, you know? Today, in today's world, they start recruiting you as early as in the eighth grade. And back in those days, I think most people didn't get recruited until at least they were juniors or seniors. It's just so different now, and, and you, yeah, you have to sort of put yourself out there, and you have to spend a lot of time at camps now, whatever sport it is, AAU. I mean, it's like a job for a parent, and it's expensive, you know, to keep... Your... You're exactly right. It's crazy. They're now. all over the place. I mean, you have to travel. You, you, you have to travel longer distances now than we did. I mean, we didn't play, we didn't play anybody in high school that was... Everything was under a hundred miles, and most of them were in thirty miles. Right. So, um, gosh, today you got high school teams flying places or are driving buses. You know, three hundred, four hundred miles to play games. Well, all right. So, Jim, so you go to Ole Miss, and uh, and I, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about music. But, but which I mean, when things started to pop for you, and when you started to get it as a songwriter, I mean, you've made your way into the Hall of Fame. There's not many people that have done that. You've been just so uh, skilled at everything you've done, and you've been at, at a high level. It's just really a remarkable life. And I know if you ever look back, you're not the type to pat yourself on the shoulder. But just looking back at your career, do you just go, wow? You know, a few years ago, uh, well, several years ago now, I started reading biographies. I've read tons and tons of biographies about people's lives and what they did and what their, what the high points were, were what the low points were, you know. And, and in reading those biographies, it dawned on me that, and maybe I have a story to tell uh, because I do feel that that what has gone on in my life is fairly unique, especially at the time that it was all happening. That made me decide to write a book and and talk about all these things because you know while you're doing them, you don't even think about all that stuff. You just you're just a kid doing what you're doing. But looking back, uh, I, I can see how my life was different in, a lo- in, in so many ways and unique in so many ways. So uh, we've got a book called Midnight Train. I love and it's, it. Uh, 
it's a memoir of all the things I could remember at this age. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I, see, I love this, and and I'm like you. I love stories about the. I always call it the rearview mirror, and people that are able to finally sit down and write about. I mean, first of all, you've accumulated so much history and knowledge, and friendships, and and you know, and just and the people that you've been around. And they've been around you, and just the stories you. I bet this book's going to be incredible. I, I'm so excited. Are y'all going to spend a little time going off and promoting it? I hope some. I hope some big TV shows. And I mean, do you have a publicist well, for we, all this stuff? We are going to do some uh, some book signings, and I think we've got one scheduled in Jackson, and it. and one in Meridian, and in Oxford, and uh, where I think we're going over to the Grammy Hall of Fame. Uh, we're going to do a lot around Mississippi and and probably branch out from there, and and hopefully do you know do some talk shows or something like that maybe in Jackson and Tupelo and Memphis and and if it uh, you know if the book's doing well we you know maybe we'll do something nationally that's wow. that's just kind of on the back burner at this point we're just we're just going to try to get people around the south and in the southeastern conference and uh uh you know that uh, kind of remember uh what was happening with me back in those days we, 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 this book is for them like i wrote the i wrote the football part of the book for the people in the music business and i wrote the music part of the book for the people that knew me as a football player wow so they could they could see you know that what went on with my life and how unique it was and getting both sides <laughs> the people that may have not been familiar with either side they're going to get to know this is what i'm talking about uh mississippi I, first of all you're going to see me at one or two of those occasions so i'm excited i'll get i'll find out when you're going to be where because i'd love to come uh, there and give you a big hug the other thing is you know this is this is why i celebrate this part of my show you get to play dj i think it sums it all up uh you know we're the birthplace of american music and you've been a huge huge part of that so i'll let you play dj into the break do you want to hear a little dorothy moore or a little jimmy rogers your choice let's hear dorothy moore I love that. The underdog. I love Dorothy Moore. We're in a Mississippi Minute. We're with the fabulous, legendary Hall of Famer Jim Weatherly, and you are in a Mississippi Minute. Stay tuned. News Mississippi, on air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app. You can select the breaking news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. That's News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. The world she left behind long ago. She's leaving on the midnight plane to Houston 
I'm Steve Azar. We were with the great Jim Weatherly, Pontotoc, Mississippi, born and torched the world uh, in obviously football in his days at playing quarterback for the Ole Miss Rebels and also won a national championship, which has only been done once. Right, Jim? 1962? Is that right? Well, uh, they've had, I think, three national championships. We were the uh, only undefeated and untied right. team okay. that the, the Rebels have had up to this point. Hopefully there'll be somebody that'll <laughs> come along and, and, and uh, a new team will come along and do that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so uh, I, I got to start talking music. I got to start talking when. I want to know what your first big hit was, and did you feel the door just opening wide for you at that point? Yeah. I'd had some some minor uh, cuts, uh, which in, were encouraging to me, but my first, my first number one record was uh, with Gladys Knight and the Pips uh, called Neither One of Us. I remember hearing the song for the first time, and it was so different from the way I'd written it. I was kind of taken aback. Then I, I listened to it again, and, and, and I realized what a great record it was. And Gladys had taken it and made it her, her own. And I listened to it over and over and again, thinking, my goodness, what a great record this is. It was uh, it was number one in Cashbox and Billboard. It went number I, I'm sorry in Cashbox and Record World. Went number two in Billboard, but it was number four. I mean, <laughs> it was number one on the Billboard um, R&B charts for four weeks, and it, that was at a time that my, not many many songs stayed number one for a, a long period of time. Some of them did, but it wasn't a common thing. Right, right, right. And so, what, I mean, just can you can you reflect on them? I mean, I know you got your book coming out, and I don't want to give it all away, but can you reflect on uh, just how you and your family and I mean, did you have kids at the time? Were you married when this first happened? No, 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 no. I didn't get married till I was fifty years old. <laughs> Come on, are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. How were you able? Yeah. To, how were you able to uh, to be a bachelor for that long <laughs> with all that success? <laughs> well. I'd always heard that a bachelor is somebody who never made the same mistake once. (laughs) (laughs) I tell that joke to people, but uh, really and truly, I didn't want to have to put one over the other. I'd seen a lot of my friends be married, and and, and those marriages break up because they just couldn't stand the pressure of being married and being in the music business and then they would get divorced and get married again and the same thing would happen and I, I kept I kept seeing that and I kept thinking, you know, I, I don't wanna have to I don't wanna have to uh put music before the, the marriage or the marriage before music. So hmm. I just waited a long time until I really was sure that I could handle that and handle a marriage. And also until I really found somebody that felt like home to me. Wow, that's great. Well, you got to have that. You know, somehow, somehow, you know, I, I agree with you. I've, I've had, I've gone through when the, my 20 years in Nashville, I watched uh, my, some of my co writers and really good friends do it three times. And I'm not talking about just one. And I would go, 
and I'd watch them the roller coaster ride of what they had to go through. Right? It was like this this recurring same thing with different a different person they were with. Yeah, but it, right. It was consoling them the same way. It was trying to lift them up the same way. It was dealing with the anger the same way, and it, it got it was so sad, you know. And and somehow somehow. I found an SEC girl at University of Arkansas that was on the shoulders of a Sigma Chi, and mm-hmm. and I've been you know we're closing in on thirty years now, so she's endured the entire roller coaster ride of my career, and um and so she felt like home immediately to me. So I get that, and I was fortunate, you know. I think it's a little bit of a crapshoot when you're growing up because you're so young, you can't you can't think clearly. You don't know what you're doing. No, you we, just no, you, you have don't. no idea what you're doing. Right. I mean, I, that was the lottery. I won the lottery, and I I love that. And and not only that, yeah, I, I you, love her you're, family. You're very lucky to have that kind of relationship, right? Because uh, so many of the people in our business just could not find peace and happiness yeah. uh, doing both, you know. Well, I think and, so. and it's sad because it's sad that music or entertainment or something takes so much of your time. Yeah. And you're concentrating on that so much, and you're, you're moving around to places that, you know, I, I, I lived in, in California, now I'm in Tennessee, and of course, if I'd have been a football player, I would have had to do the same thing if I'd have made it. <laughs> you but know? you were going to be on the road no matter what. I mean, your your life was sort of a nomad. You know, what I mean, you, you had to you had to move around, and when you're not home, you know what I mean. When you're not home, it takes a special person to be able to raise a family when you're not there, and and be able a special Absolutely. person to be able to accept you when you come back. And and get back in the flow. It's it's a difficult, it's a juggling act, and I just yeah. So you're right. Yeah. So all right. So we're talking to the great Jim Weatherly. We figured out the the uh, the uh, matrimony of marriage or whatever it is. Uh, the the sacrament of marriage. <laughs> we got it all figured out. Hey. So when did I got to know when Midnight cha- Train to Georgia? Where where were you? What was going on in your mind? Was it a was it a title you had, or you wrote yourself to the title? I tell you, that's a story that I've I've told several times over the years, and I, I've, I've decided at this point I'm not going to tell it again because it's in my book. Okay, well then we're going to make it. We're going to make everybody. We're going to make everybody buy the book. <laughs> it is an interesting story. It's a very interesting story. Okay, so it and, was a personal uh, story. Uh, it, can, huh? Can you tell me that was it personal? Like a personal, uh, in, in, inspired. Oh, uh, no, it it had nothing to do with any kind of a relationship that I was having or any anything like that. It was it was totally something that just was meant to happen. It was meant to happen, and I was you know I was still struggling as a, as a songwriter. I I, I I I I'm just amazed, you know. At, at, at the way it all unfolded as I look back, I really can see how God's hand was at work. Oh, absolutely. And all this stuff that was going on in my life. Right. At the time, I didn't see it as clearly because there were so many other things right square in my face. But as I look back, uh, I was... A lot of little miracles. Well, I shouldn't say little miracles because no no miracle is little. Mm-hmm. 
But so many miracles happened in my life to put me where I was supposed to be at the right time. And things just happened for me. And that's all written up in the book. And it's, it's, it, it, as I was writing it, I have to be honest, it was fascinating to me. I got, I got caught up in, in writing it thinking, my gosh, how did all this happen? I can't wait. I cannot wait to read it. Actually, I want to see the movie. I'm, I'm getting more excited about it. <laughs> I'm the, hey, Jim, I'm the guy that they go, have you read the book yet? And I'm like, no, have you seen the movie <laughs> <laughs> I love I love seeing it all come together in life, and it'd be cool to see your life story. And, it, and listen, it can happen. I mean that that would be to me the ultimate. All right, let's talk about you've written songs with or for and with and for like Dan Seals, Neil Diamond. I mean Steve Warner. You've been so inspirational. Bill Anderson, Charlie Pride, Eric Delta Delta Icon, Eddie Arnold, Dean Martin, Johnny Mathis. This makes no sense except for what's in the water in Mississippi. There's no way Kenny Rogers, Reba McIntyre, Kenny Chesney, Kenny Chesney. I mean you've 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 lasted decades. Your your music has outlived generations and it's just so cool because it all goes back to one thing that I, that I was taught and that I believe in great songs can well, be recorded I, I, I've always believed that, that you had to have a great song for for a great artist to uh, put his heart and soul or put her heart and soul into it um, you know you're talking about what's in the water in Mississippi I, I always tell people that um, I was born between the birthplace of Elvis Presley and where William Faulkner lived in Oxford. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I say, I, I figured I just had a good start as a songwriter, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you put those two together. It's in the alluvian soul, right? <laughs> yeah. We're in a Mississippi Minute. We're with the fabulous, legendary Hall of Famer Jim Weatherly. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the great Jim Weatherly. This is the part, B.J. Thomas. I got to keep saying it. Lynn Anderson, Tanya Tucker, Andy Williams. I mean, I just, Hall and Oates. It just amazes me. And, and it I amazes me. Well, yeah, it should. <laughs> it really should. So, so like, did you, as you started getting going and, and, like, for instance, Vince Gill, I played golf with Vince. He's got, like, the most angelic, beautiful voice. He's so just, it's like watching you know, an angel sing, and just to, to watch him play guitar, it's just like the most beautiful, smooth sailing thing. But, man, he is a competitive fireball. And on the golf is course, <laughs> oh, oh, man. So you guys, so when did you guys hook up? Because you guys wrote a bunch of stuff together, right? Well, we, we actually wrote uh, three songs together. He's recorded two of them. Uh, I I just call Vince up, and, and I'd kept trying to, you know, I kept every time I'd run into him, I'd say, "Hey, 
I'd really like to get with you and, and write something. And, and <laughs> finally, I got in touch one day, and he said, yeah, I got some time. So uh, we just set up a time to write, and uh, wow. I gave him some I gave him some good ideas, and he took them and ran with them. Vince, Vince knows exactly who he is as an artist right? and what he does best. And his, his melodies are so tight and, and fit so perfectly around a lyric that it's scary. Right. I mean, you know, these songs that we wrote sound like they could have been written years ago, and, and like they've been around forever. And uh, Jim, I, 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 I just really appreciate I, the fact that I got to write with. Him. Well, uh, see that. See, I'm going to flip it on you because I'm, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I got to tell you, this is my point about you. I've been around enough songwriters who are limited in space. They they live in a box, right? Then they and they're able to write with a certain kind of writer for a certain type of artist, and that's it. You don't give yourself credit that is deserved, and I think that that's the the magic in you, the humility in you, the the humbleness. I, I love I love this story, and I love where you're at. So tell me, are you still spending any time? Uh, does the song still come to you? Are you bored with it? Are you still as in in love with it as you were forty years ago? Today, I write songs when the mood strikes. I still write the way I've always written. I don't try to write what I hear on radio today because I don't have an affinity to, for that. I write more in what people call the classic vein. And so today when I write, I wonder what I'm going to do with the song because nobody's cutting the kind of songs I write anymore. Or everybody's I, I, cutting the kind of songs you write. Because <laughs> your, your resume, Jim... Well, is, I'm talking about today, though. I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. Okay. I, I, okay. I understand that. But you have this knack for writing. Uh, it just will you keep me in mind when? Because I'm on the road a lot. Will you keep me in mind uh, and give me a heads up when you're going to come do your book signings? Uh, and I would like to 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 help celebrate it. And it's just going to be okay. another victory for the state of Mississippi. And I, I'm just glad your heart and soul's never left. You know, you've been a blessing to this place and the world. And, and I, I appreciate you spending all 60 Mississippi minutes with me, buddy. Well, Steve, I appreciate your kind words. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to be able to do this show and, and talk about the book and the about some of the things that have gone on in my life. It, I, I, I hope people will really want to get this and, and read it because I think they'll be surprised. Wow. I think they'll be surprised. Yeah, well, I can't, I can't wait. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited. So the name of the book is going to be Midnight Train, correct? That's it. Thank you so much for, for taking the time, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate We've it. We've been with the great Jim Weatherly. We're over and out. Be back. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.